Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. Today's episode, episode 11. We appreciate you tuning in. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, what's up, man? Is it 11? I thought it was 10 this whole time. Did I got it wrong? I believe 10 was last, was last week. We had, a, we had a crazy week last week, so uh, we probably just yeah, didn't register. You're, no, you're right. It's 11. It's 11. All right. I thought so. I thought okay. so. Well, shows what I know. Well, uh, big news, man. OPEC just uh, announced some stuff last night. What'd you think about that, man? Yeah, I think, you know, Josh, um, really, I want to give it a kind of a week to kind of digest, but the, the long and short is they're going to extend their cuts. Now, interesting that it seems that some people aren't exactly happy that that's not enough. But uh, next week, we're going to take some time and talk about that and how it's going to impact, obviously, you know, the Texas market. But, um, you know, I've been saying for a while, hey, we're going to get to the summer and we're going to have some of these indicators that I'm looking for. And uh, we're starting to see them roll in now. Yep, it's here. It's here. So uh, I'm excited for next week. We uh, we may have a guest speaker coming on with us next week. So uh, we're excited about that. Look forward to uh, confirming that uh, later this or next week. Well, uh, normally we, we draw your attention to a few jobs we have posted at globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. I checked this morning. There were 17 jobs posted. Again, they update every Monday morning. Uh, if you're interested, go take a look at those. It's globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. Uh, moving to our first article, we have an article that basically gives some statistics for the month of March, year over year, year over year. And uh, we've went over all of this stuff several times, but it's good to kind of get an indicator of where we are this March compared to last March. And a pretty good article, if you want to take a look at it, it compares some of the counties and their oil and gas production county to county. But it shows that for the month of March, we're, we're just a, down a little bit in production. Uh, the numbers there are really close. They're really about the same. But uh, 2017 was 2,492,000 barrels, and last year it was 2,506,000 barrels. So really, really close. Uh, any takeaways you have from this article, Ryan? Yeah, we, we normally do this at the end, and I know we've got something coming up at the end, Josh, but this is your hey. If you're a you know if you're a vendor looking for work, here's where you need to be looking at. It, it, it did kind of surprise me that uh, Carnes County was number one. Um, I didn't yeah. didn't expect to see that. Um, you got Reeves County sitting there, number six, which is uh, you know we do a lot of work out in that area, obviously. But uh, but yeah, you know it's just it's funny because you you look at stuff and you, you kind of think you know where some of these counties will fall in, and uh, you know it's not not always the case. So uh, but no, good information here and uh, just just bare bones statistics, which me and you both appreciate. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, uh, we're not going to go over all all of these counts, but uh, it'd be good to go take a look at it. We'll link it in the show notes, and you can kind of take a quick glance at it. Uh, Ryan, we had a couple interesting things that came up this week with uh, some of the proposed slashing of some of the uh, Gulf royalty payments. Uh, Trump announced, uh, or Trump Trump team uh, that announced that they're going to be cutting some of those Gulf royalty payments. Um, what's what's been the overall feel of of the industry? this week about that. Yeah, I, I really think, Josh, I think this is posturing. I, I could be wrong, but I, I just don't think that this is really 
uh, going to happen. And what we're talking about is is that the you know the federal government gets these royalty payments for the offshore rigs and whatnot, and uh, their permits that they lease out, and you know they give it back to the states um, or a portion of it at least to the back to the states and say, hey, here in the states. You know, allegedly use it to keep the beaches up and you know keep the the, the coastline from receding and all this stuff um but you know i you know it's it's interesting looking at the article um you know there's a couple things that stuck out one was you kind of had this big 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 number that's thrown out there it was like uh 275 million for texas louisiana alabama and mississippi and then it said that um that Texas was 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 slated to receive eighty million of that. Now you go, yeah, eighty million. But then it says just the next line that well, they're only expecting to get twelve because of low oil prices. Low oil prices, right. yeah, I saw so, that. So you kind of get in there and you say, okay, well, what's really going on here? Because there's a lot of big numbers thrown out from the federal side, and then the state side's like, yeah, okay, we're talking like an eighth of what you're what you're thinking it was. So I, I'm not really sure. I, I think this is really posturing from the Trump administration. I don't know what the end game is per se, but you know, it says that by eliminating the royalty sharing, the Trump administration estimates it would increase federal revenues by 3.6 billion with a B over the next 10 years. Well, so I, I, I looked at that and I thought, well, if Texas is supposed to get 80 and they're only going to get 12, well, what does this 3.6 billion number mean? Does it mean anything yeah, what at is all? That actually right. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, it's, I think the article does a good job of kind of pointing out some of the discrepancies. Um, but I, I really, at the end of the day, I would be stunned if uh, if the federal government, uh, well, at least Trump, I would be stunned the federal government. But if, if Trump wanted to push this kind of initiative to take the money from the states for the federal government, it doesn't do anything. If you look at the federal budget, you know, three point six billion. That's that's you know, that's nothing, right? That's nothing. There's right. a lot. There's a lot of spots we can make some deep cuts that would actually do stuff. So, um, I, and I think one final thing is. It brings up this interesting dynamic of, you know, the, the federal government is getting money, um, and, the, and they're kind of they can kind of use it to lean on the states, right? Well, if you want this money, then you've got to do certain stuff for us. So right. um, that's yeah. kind of the undertone of what might be going on there behind closed doors. But uh, that's that's pure speculation on my part. Well, there's a, there's one uh, one more comment here at the end from uh, the Energy Secretary Rick Perry that I wanted to comment on, and it kind of. I'm, I'm curious to see how it all plays out, obviously, uh, but I think this is supposedly the strategy. Um, the quote is, this budget delivers on the promise to reprioritize spending in order to carry out DOE's core functions efficiently and effectively, while also being physically responsible and respectful of, to the American taxpayer. So there's this attempt to lower the tax uh, or tax cuts or trying to reduce taxes for the all Americans and, and there's an attempt to try to be more efficient with the budget. Now, I don't know that he said this point six billion is chump change compared to as if they're going to make these cuts. So I think the overall attempt is to try to cut government spending, but I'm not sure really these numbers are so all over the place it's hard to hard to really gauge really what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're going to cut some of the research and um, and stuff from the the Office of Energy Efficiency and, Renew- and Renewable Energy. You know, I I think you know a lot of times this budget talk. Um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's in office, Republican, Democrat. That you know, we we spend more money. You know, so it doesn't. It does, it just seems like there's a lot of talk about cutting here and cutting there, and you cut here, then you add there. So. Um, you know, it, it could hurt the states, though. That would be the thing. Um, but you know, it, it it did seem that Texas was kind of realistic, saying even if we were going to get the uh, the money, it was only gonna be twelve of the eighty. Whereas Louisiana seemed to kind of be going, you know, uh, it's it's a bigger deal to them. But maybe they don't know how to do that math like Texas does. I'm not sure. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll move into the next article. We have uh, some interesting information coming out of the Eagleford. Uh, this article, Natural Gas, makes a comeback in Eagleford shell fields. Uh, we've mentioned, I believe, on episode five or six that there were there was a issue in Mexico where the production was decreasing, but the demand was increasing. So the interesting play there uh, where, I mean, that they need more oil. And so there are a few folks in Eagleford that are trying to, answer or deliver on this production issue for Mexico. So they're trying to sell and uh, export uh, some gas, natural gas into, into Mexico. It's a huge opportunity, like we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago. Ryan, what was your takeaway on, on this article? Well, we've gotten from the Texas-Mexico podcast, and we're, we're back to it now. That's the first takeaway. Um, right. and, and, you know, but if you go back to those statistics we first looked at, Josh, um, you know, Webb County, which is talked about in this article a couple times, that is the number one natural gas county uh, for drilling in the, in the state of Texas. Um, and there's, there's a couple things. First off is you know, Mexico needs natural gas right now, right? And so they need it. Well, the cheapest and most effective way to get it is from the states because, as the article points out, the infrastructure just isn't in Mexico. There's not roads. You know, we, we kind of sit back and think about, um, you know, some of these these areas, and we go, "Oh, yeah." There's you, you take the you take I twenty or wherever it is, and you get off on Highway so and so, and then you get off on County Road this, and you get on FM that, and then you go take the well road. Well, in some spots in Mexico, there, there's no roads out there. There's no infrastructure, which means that there's no housing, there's no gas, there's no diesel, there's no food. You know, it just compounds the problem. And, and so that's what, they, that's what they're facing in Mexico on some scale is that, you know, there's just no infrastructure in any sense of the word to get out to these plays. So it is makes more sense for them to, um, to drill uh, or to have the, you know, the U.S. drillers who are already drilling to sell it to them. Um, right. and so, you know, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and here's the, the good news is if you're an Eagle for driller is that, the, you know, this, this conference they had down in San Antonio last week at the Mexico gas summit, they're talking about a decade before Mexico's really ready to kind of have their own drilling program in place. And so if you can make these strategic deals right now, well, you could, you know, you could set up yourself for a decade and you're hedging against the U S market which doesn't need natural gas because you know we're, we're flaring it off and we're doing all this other stuff because we don't need it. Well, Mexico needs it. So the Eagle for Shell, if you're a, a gas producer down there, you're really in a good spot right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I mean, it's mentioned in 10 years for the infrastructure is going to be established there. It's really interesting for me to, just to see the opportunities for people to make some huge plays as far as um, making some bids and trying to, trying to get some of that infrastructure built because that's just going to be a gold mine uh, over the, you know, once they have it all put in place. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think that, you're, you know, we, we've, we can't, we haven't hit on the, the Texas-Mexico angle here in a few weeks, but I think that, uh, you know, that, that you're, we're going to be seeing this at least for the next, you know, five years, probably as this article says, a decade. You know, sometimes you read these articles and say, well, the next decade it'd be like this. Well, we, we, will, we both know that with the type of money that's in oil and gas, sometimes they can turn stuff around a little bit quicker than we like yeah. to indicate. So you have that. Um, obviously, PMX is, I think, uh, I talked to someone from Riggs on the other day, and, and there, there's a lot of questions around the, these deals that PMX is striking as far as, you know, how will it roll out these regulatory, the new the new energy reform, how is it going to play out? So there's a lot of questions in Mexico, which means that if you can, you can get in there early, you have a good chance to, you know, make some really good deals. 
Well, uh, moving to uh, kind of a final thing we wanted to touch on today, Ryan, there is uh, Crestwood boosting Permian gas infrastructure with a processing plant. Uh, this, is, uh, this is pretty interesting. Eight months after forming a pact with the Royal Dutch Shell to feed a new natural gas, uh, they are uh, in, in the Permian, the midstream operator Crestwood Equity Partners is building a processing plant and pipeline that will attract flows from that system in the second one. Uh, it's, yeah, they're in, they're in Houston, and uh, they're making a pretty pretty big play in the Permian here. Well, it, you know, here it is every week for you business development folks out there or people trying to get your company in front of folks who are doing work. Here it is. This article is a good article. It talks about, um, you know, the, the, you know there's, there's the Orla plant, and if you worked out in the Permian, then you've heard of that. That's always got stuff going to it. Um, so we got a 33-mile, 20-inch line that's connecting. Um, one of the things about these articles I, I appreciate, Josh, is not only do you see that you've got Lucid, you've got Targa, you've got uh, Crestwood. They're all doing stuff, and so you kind of get that Eagle Claw. you you, you got all these companies. Okay, well, here's companies I can go, I can research. An article like this actually gives you the projects that they've done or they're working on. So now if you go in the Permian and you you know, you know know your little area, but you're kind of trying to expand to somewhere else, you can say, oh, yeah, well, I heard so-and-so the other day mention that such-and-such is going on. And inside the oil and gas industry, we all kind of hear the same rumblings, and so you can kind of – um, on some level, connect with people that you wouldn't connect with before because you you're now aware of, um, you know, stuff that's going on that's just right here and it's free on the internet to get. Yeah, absolutely, man. As, as the information here is invaluable, and it's interesting to see how uh, interrelated companies are kind of relating to one another. It's, it's interesting to see how it all works together. Yeah, and you you know it's that's important to mention there, Josh, because one of the things that we look at is we'll say, okay, um, you know, let's let's just take um. You know, Shelton Gas or whatever. Okay, well, Shelton Resources, for whatever reason, we can't get in with those guys. You know, we, we've tried and we just we can't get in. They're, they've got they're happy with their vendor situation, but we see that Shelton Resources has partnered up with Ray Midstream. Well, guess what? We 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 we're not working for Ray Midstream, but we have an MSA with those guys. Well, maybe now we can go do some work that's in conjunction with Shelton Gas. Um, exactly. So you start seeing these these deals come together, and you start going, okay, well, because sometimes, as you, as we know, just getting the MSA can be the hard thing. Getting the MSA uh, at some companies, it's extremely hard. Sometimes it's extremely easy. Well, so sometimes you'll look at these, and you'll see there's a JV going together, and you go, okay, well, I have an MSA on this side of the deal. Maybe that will open the door for me to go go to work. Um, and so, you know, it's it's just strictly taking these type of articles, uh, digesting them, soaking them up, thinking about them. You know, how can I use this in everyday conversation, and then how can I use it to my advantage as a, as a business uh, owner or business developer person or or you know whatever you're trying to do uh, inside the industry. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna link this in the show notes if you want to take a look at this and uh, get some more information on Crestwood or take a look at some of the more in depth look at what they're what they're doing in the Permian. Uh, as always, we we wrap things up with a look at the Baker Hughes rig count. Um, I checked it about an hour ago. We were up sixteen um, from last week. We're at nine hundred and one total. Uh, this time last year, we're up four hundred ninety seven. Uh, rig count for Texas is. 459 Permian is at 361 and the Eagle Ford is at 85. So we're seeing incremental increases continuing every week, uh, which is good for production. Uh, we're we're going to, like I said, we're going to be talking about the OPEC and uh, how that's going to possibly make some, some ripples. 
Hey, you know, Josh, one thing I just, I just, uh, I'm gonna throw this curveball here for you. I didn't tell you about it before the show. Um, but yeah, we had the listener reach out to us and say, Hey, we do some history of Texas. And so I've got a little history of Texas nugget for you here. Um, the East Texas field, if you don't know where that's at, just Google it. The East Texas field, this comes from a Forbes article, which is to date the largest producing field ever discovered in the lower 48 states has since the 1930s produced a little more than 7 billion barrels of oil. So the East Texas field since the 1930s has produced 7 billion barrels of oil. So there's your little wow. history nugget for the day. Um, and that comes from my good friend, David Blackman, who I've had on the Global Energy Leaders podcast several times. So there is you a Texas history nugget for the day. Great, man. That's awesome. Well, look, guys, we thank you so much for tuning in. Um and next week, we hope to have on a guest who will be here to talk about the Eagleford Shell. He covers the Eagleford Shell pretty extensively and um, get into that. And we're also going to talk about OPEC. You know, after a week kind of settling in, we'll see what, you know, the scuttlebutt is from the OPEC cuts uh, or the extension of the freeze, rather, and uh, should have a good show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep climbing. Keep climbing.